Welcome to Culture Factor. I'm your producer and host, Holly Shannon. Our new season looks at creators, innovators, and entrepreneurs. Why? Because the creator and gig economy is emerging. Talent has gone to work for themselves. The new year starts with the 101, or the beginner guide, for NFTs, blockchain, cryptocurrency, Bitcoin, and all those metaverse and Web3 topics we keep hearing about. We are all going back to school on Culture Factor to understand this decentralized economy. From creator coins to the tax implications of selling crypto, let's unpack these emerging technologies in really simple terms. Join me and feel free to send in your questions. Would your brand like to sponsor Culture Factor? It is your opportunity to be a part of a podcast that is ranked in the top 2% globally and heard in over 89 countries. Email holly at hollyshannon.com. Subscribe to Culture Factor and share with a friend now. Okay, let's start with our class. Let's get our next guest on. Okay, I'm here today with Conrad Probst from Properties Digital Ventures. Hi. Hey, thanks for having me. So I want to start with what was behind the idea for creating properties? Uh, What was the impetus of thought? uh, That was a long process. So it originally started with an idea to provide houses or homes to avatars because back then when we entered the market with this idea, there was an abundance of avatar projects, not a lot more. Today you see a bigger variety, uh, diversity within NFTs. Back then that wasn't the case so much and we thought, look, that's something that isn't out there. Turns out that may have been a bit of a foolish or too simple idea. And over over the course of the last, I'd say, eight or nine months, uh, we really, you know, were in a spot where we seeked value that we could provide. And that wasn't only homes, but uh, those homes only go so far on the metaverse. No one in theory would need a home to feel secure or to to you know, keep some of Maslow's hierarchy of needs, uh, some of those pillars in check. Uh, it was always a house would be nice because we know it from real life. It's not necessary, but a house offers you space that you could leverage as a brand. If, if you're an individual, if you're an existing established brand, whether you built that brand in Web3 or Web2 or whatever web for that reason, there always needs to be a place, uh, whether that has a roof or not is not important, but there needs to be space to showcase your brand and to, to tell a story authentically. And we are, we are more and more expanding on that house idea and we're going into a direction where we see ourselves today as metaverse facilitators. And uh, what that means, we can talk about it later also. Okay, so as a metaverse facilitator, um, you are always building out strategy to help brands to sort of usher them into metaverse. So in the metaverse and in their houses, um, are they kind of like um, brick and mortar stores? Uh, so the, the way we see brands in, in the Web3 context and especially with regards to the metaverse is that brands play a crucial role in user onboarding. We, if we if we look at a chicken egg problem of who should be first, the user or the brand, our answer to it is quite clear cut. It's the brands that need to move first to attract those users because gaming is there and a lot of people play games. They won't be interested in play to earn if, if the game isn't better. They they don't care for a few dollars. Same with with any any users that go into the metaverse. If there isn't content, 
uh, it will become very boring very quickly. And our thesis is that uh, brands are the ones that are interested in this kind of business. They are the content providers in the initial stages. We don't think that there are individuals that would uh, be incentivized to create that kind of content and the sheer amount of content that is needed to keep it interesting because there's no incentive for them right now. If they want to create content, they're probably better off on YouTube or doing podcasts, right? And whether those podcasts can live on the metaverse, yes, but without a user base to listen to those podcasts, probably a lot of podcast hosts will still stay within the realm of Spotify or Apple Music, right? And brands have that interest. For brands, the, the metaverse is a new channel. I'd even go as far to say that the metaverse offers multi-channels the same way that the real world does via billboards, via brand activations, via cool games, right? There, there's a lot of ways and those are all individual channels. So we see the metaverse as this new digital and blockchain based omni-channel for brands to authentically tell their stories, to brand themselves, to engage with users and to offer them ways to actually own part of, of you know, product lines or brand, uh, brand equity that they are interested in right and uh, this this is a new space where again we think that you know those brands whatever they are doing whether it's games whether it's showcasing in buildings or showcasing in in the outside world in the metaverse uh, it's it's always starting with the brands because there is a market for this but the market will not come there without the brands and uh, that, that's how we see it so metaverse facilitator to us means individuals need to be onboarded to the metaverse but so do brands and uh, we distinct between web 2 and web 3 brands web 3 brands are in inherently brands that have just started that have never existed before that outside of the nft space have very little to no real brand equity no one knows about them board apes is the first example that is slowly venturing into conventional uh, worlds where you know uh, influencers and celebrities are stipulating where where the interest and the hype is going and we see that for example projects like doodles or lazy lions uh, and a few more of those in that realm they are managing to create brands outside of web3 and we see they thrive for that reason because they are touching new user bases and for us, the, the way we can provide value to those Web3 brands is by placing them within the scope of our metaverse worlds. For example, on the Sandbox, we currently have 24 partners, all Web3 brands that are placed there with clubhouses and mini games. What that creates is a social network of, of Web3 communities. May those be 30,000 people up to 250,000 people in our partner network per brand that multiplies quickly and you you invite your audience there your community uh, maybe it's a thousand people logging in but so do all the others and suddenly your brand and your clubhouse on our world has an exposure of a few hundred thousand compared to having your own world where only your community lives and with this social network the synergies that all those brands create to each other without actually doing anything other than inviting their people that is something we thought is very interesting and eventually we opened that up to more prestigious traditional brands. We, we specifically work with premium brands because we think those have the biggest uh, overlap between attractive appeal from the premium 
but premium isn't luxury so we can expect quite an influx of people too there's a there's a lot of people owning uh, for example uh, Omega watches right not a lot of people own Patek Philippe watches so Omega watches would be a good market because it still has that premium feel but we also see that with within that premium field, we have a lot of users. And that's how we tackle Web2 right now, is uh, what are premium brands that we like to work with, that we think have a place in the metaverse. There's a lot of them that we don't think are fit for the metaverse yet. Either the metaverse is not matching their brand or their brand is just not yet in a place where the metaverse would actually care about their brand. So we specifically target brands that fit both sides, right? Where, where their product, the existing product that they have, is already that in a digital shape, is already in a state where in the digital shape their, their products have a product market fit within the metaverse. And that, that's how we treat it right now. So that's, uh, that's the B2B side that we're handling, both on, B2, uh, sorry, on, on Web3 and Web2. B2C looks different. Uh, B2C, we think that there will be a lot of individuals like you and me, Holly, that uh, will be interested in the metaverse. Some of them eventually want to build brands the same way we, I talked about uh, Sandbox and our presence there as a social network. Those individuals are part of the social network. Some of them over the years in, in traditional Web2 have built their brand on Facebook, on Instagram, on TikTok these days. If they manage to, they need tools. They, they don't only need a presence, which in the metaverse would mean that they may have a building that is branded in their brand. But they need to, need to be able to monetize those audiences because otherwise that becomes a dead end for them really quickly. They cannot spend time creating content all day and not get remunerated for it. So, so that's how we see it. And the way we approach it is if you own land, our NFTs provide a house. It's an empty house. You keep the NFT that yields you tokens every every month, uh, purely utility tokens. We're not we're not venturing into any any cash equivalents and tokens. We want to use those tokens to just enable people to buy items and furniture for their houses, customize those empty houses that they now own, and then in the last the third step of that plan, we are offering tools for them to monetize the content that they are creating. And hopefully they are creating that in an environment that benefits all of our community as well. I love the cross-pollination of the different communities. So do you find it's most successful if the brands that you reach out to, um, that there's synergy between them in this uh, space that you've created? So that's interesting. I think both similarity and diversity create synergies. It's, it's about finding the synergies. And a lot of times I feel like uh, what we've seen in, in the current streetwear uh, world is that there's a lot of artists to brand collaborations or brand to brand collaborations. And those are synergies that uh, maybe 10 years ago would not have been so apparent. But these days, Adidas X Prada is a, is a normal thing and people get used to it. In Web3, uh, there are similar paths to, to collaboration, whether there's use cases that are opened to avatar projects through other collaborators or not. Uh, the, the bare minimum is that both have audiences that are within the target market. If those audiences meet, different things can happen a multitude of things so uh, an example would be 
uh, individuals that say, hey, I'm an artist, I, I would like to uh, co-create something for your brand. And I, I didn't know about you before my community and your community actually married on the metaverse and we, we got to interact. And so similarity is always an easy path to, to collaboration. Diversity is harder to, to find you know, synergies in, but I am of the opinion that the diverse collaborations oftentimes, if done right, yield significantly stronger synergies that offer a bigger positive sum game for those collaborators. I would agree. You know, if, if we go back to your analogy of like the Omega watches, you know, they had done a whole um, collaboration with the 007, you know, the James Bond yeah. type of thing. So if you could think of, you know, utility uh, with Omega and maybe the movie, yeah. uh, you probably could get a lot of new people that join the Omega right. community right. in the metaverse because maybe the tokens released are physical copies of the original James Bond movies, for example. Yeah. So that's interesting that you mentioned that, right? It's, it's about the way those brands leverage NFTs. And if you, if you think about crypto wallets, it's very similar to an actual wallet. What's in there? It's cash and the cash equivalents. Uh, you have one-off vouchers like bus tickets that you may just use once. Uh, you have membership cards and access cards that get you into your gym, the, right? And then maybe there's also memorabilia like pictures of your family or certain notes that you keep sacred for yourself and they're all in your wallet and we, we see it the same way there's an analogy between that and uh, here right if you look at it that way brands can leverage memberships can leverage vouchers can even leverage certain memorabilia if there's a value to people that they have an emotional attachment to that memorabilia so for us, the way we see it is that those brands are actually in a position to, to leverage NFTs in, in various degrees of freedom. The, and that opens up possibilities where they can go and say, hey, this NFT allows you to have a subscription to our products. Every month you get products and the NFT is now verifying your ownership. And in the end, it, we think that Web3 is not about decentralization. A uh, little side note, we talked about it on a yacht party yesterday already, Holly. Uh, decentralization, uh, we think, is long gone because VCs have already captured quite a significant part of the market and now it's turning into this blockchain-based tech oligopoly the same way it has already been uh, in Web2 for years. Uh, Web3 to us is more about transparency and ownership, uh, not so much about decentralization. That's a nice thought. Right now, we don't think it's here. Jack Dorsey agrees, he, he opened up Web5 already. People can look that up if you're interested because he also agrees there's, there's no way right now that we can talk about decentralization and take it serious. Web3 offers a lot of space for collaborators and that's, that's good. And we, we think that that's already enough so those brands can use the transparency that comes with the ownership and vice versa to, to actually offer new experiences to their uh, customers but also to touch upon new target markets that they may be able to deliver physical or digital utility in the form of physical or digital products, services, or experiences and events, right? And the way they can play with that, uh, again, the freedom that they have to, to leverage their brand in new ways is unprecedented. And that is important here. It's 
it's not about decentralization. It's about the, the opportunities that blockchain-based NFTs can offer for brands and, uh, and the interactions that can happen with their communities or with new non-existent target markets that they can discover through that. I'm often asked, does my business need a podcast? My answer is yes, that nothing else is the fast track into thought leadership and being established and seen as the expert in your industry as podcasting. What's increasingly evident is that it's a branding machine. It kicks doors open for you to have conversations with leaders. It creates a pathway to partnerships and connections on a deeper level. You will not be your industry's best kept secret. Your ideas and business will have global reach. So step into your power. Go to hollyshannon.com to launch your podcast now. And now back to our interview. Okay, so I'm going to throw a little left field question in here. If you could have um, any brand uh, that would really exemplify and, and lay the framework for the type of metaverse you want to build, who would that client be? And, and do you already have them? Uh, so we do have a client that I cannot talk about that would be our ideal case. Uh, let's use an analogy. Uh, we, we Rhymes with. No, <laughs> I wouldn't go there. They wouldn't like that. So uh, I think what we can say is that there are certain product brands. Uh, I'll just mention a few from, from automotive, let's say uh, Audi, from watches, let's say Rolex. Uh, few of those premium brands that have a have a large fan base already that have a large aspirational value to to a larger market than even their target market uh, those brands are particularly interesting because they attract audiences themselves they have an easy time to collaborate with everyone they want to collaborate with whoever artists they they want to speak to they'll get the intro and those artists are always interested in working with those heritage brands. Uh, attracting audiences, attracting collaborations, that opens up a lot, of, a lot of potential for revenue, but also for new branding. And again, Web3 is about reinventing brands, not in a way that the reinvention would harm the original brand or would interfere with the idea of the original brand, but transporting, transporting the brand into new contexts that make sense within the Web3 space. Uh, for uh, what I mean by that, because that is all very esoteric talking right now, it's, it, it basically boils down to what can I now do that I have the possibility of transparently showing ownership, of constantly digitally providing stuff. Uh, meaning experiences, airdrops, uh, specific events that people can attend. We're at NF uh, NFT NYC right now. There's holders that are invited to parties, real-life events that they can experience for free, being part of the community and being able to transparently verify that ownership to the, to the bouncers probably at the parties, right? So overall, we, we can boil it down to the possibilities that come again with the transparency and the ownership and we can boil it down to to the way that they can reinvent uh, their brand so if we're talking furniture BNB uh, Italia is a very high-class uh, furniture publisher uh, working with uh, great great people like Paolo Piva very great designer 
those are design pieces with a lot of heritage. Do they need to oblige to the same physical limitations, meaning materials and gravity? No, right? And it, it can still be design classics, but they are, they are limitless in, in possibilities now. Before that, you can only produce glass uh, in a certain way, uh, which would mean there's physical limitations to how that glass can really be displayed or which kind of shapes it can take or how fragile the glass is. In the metaverse, all of that doesn't matter and that opens up a new way for brands to really create uh, things that are on brand, but new and transformative, innovative. I, I love the idea of creating materials. You know, I come from a material background with, with the jewelry, so that's really fascinating to me. Um, do you think that the smaller creator um, might get kind of lost in this. Like I feel like, you know, it's so easy for big brands, luxury brands. I mean, you could talk big brands like Gap, but you could talk luxury brands like Harry Winston Jewelers yeah. um, that would really succeed because they have the marketing arm and they have enough people. How do, how would a smaller creator uh, create or, or combine their community into yeah. something like that. Sounds very cliche, uh, content being out there. Uh, quality content, right? Is, so I think the, the first thing to mention is that I see a lot of people starting, uh, also in Web3, with a, with a certain ignorance to the amount of quality that the space currently demands. Graphics need to be high quality. Communication needs to be constant. Uh, communities need to be taken very seriously, otherwise they uh, hop on. Because if you're not giving them the attention, uh, the same as in inter uh, interpersonal relationships, uh, right? either it's person to person, if you're not giving the attention or you're not getting the attention, you may be put off. Brand to person is no different, right? And uh, whether that is an existing brand or a smaller brand, arguably the smaller ones have to work a lot harder. It, it's about interacting with those communities, it's about providing them a sense of security, meaning, hey, I spent my time with this brand and it will be worthwhile. If they don't have that feeling, there's no chance for the smaller creators. So there, there's always a way for smaller creators. We have not been here a year ago. We have started from scratch. There was no one helping us. We, we went out there and we started approaching smaller projects that we liked, that we saw potential in to grow. And again, we formed those synergies, we collaborated with them in, in ways that would, you know, let us tap into new markets and they would be able to tap into new markets. And the smaller ones, same as the internet, the internet started with a lot of fragmented people all over the world that helped each other build this thing that we use today that changed the world drastically, the internet. Uh, on a brand level, it's similar, right? It's, it's either you do it on your own and you are so good and so efficient that you can push out quality content that interests a lot of people constantly uh, over, over years, right? Constantly. Uh, then yes, you can make it as a small creator and you can form your own brand. And we see that with YouTubers who are super successful, right? A Logan Paul has, has not had anything and uh, Logan Paul still managed to create content that eventually formed into a very large brand where now 
whatever he wants to do, whether he wants to collaborate with Nike or whether he wants to be in the NFT space, that brand already on its own is a standalone. And we we think of small creators like that. They either, either find a lot of synergies and help each other up by tapping into their markets uh, or into each other's markets, rather put, or you're very good on your own. Uh, very few are good on their own. I, I would agree. So there's a Virgil Abloh that we all know from Off-White, uh, who eventually was attractive enough for Louis Vuitton to make him the head of menswear. That, that doesn't come from, you know, collaborating too much, but from being good initially. The, the way he blew up worked on collaborations with Nike and Nike actually won from that. It's not him, right? He lent his brand to Nike, not the other way around, the same way Kanye West does it with Adidas. And the Yeezy brand is arguably bigger or at least more in demand than Adidas right now. So Gap approaches him. Another collaboration helps him because he taps into a new market, which is arguably more mass market. But all of those have started from impressing people that have done it. And, you know, you either find someone that you can be a prodigy to or you really make it on your own. And making it on your own is insanely tough. All of the ones that have made it on their own presumably have had people that they at least impressed with their quality and their drive and their passion. To, to you know help them because there were synergies to be created and it's about being good and it's about knowing what good is and I feel a lot of people are again ignorant to the fact what what good quality is and if you do good quality you usually know and a lot of people that do good quality will see you do good quality I do good quality let's do something together you will not work with someone who does inferior jewelry right in your background if you don't like designs, if you don't like the quality, you're not doing it. But if you see, if you're approached by a Harry Winston, sure, you would like to work together. And they would like to work together if they approach you because they see quality in you. And it's about that. So it's small creators always have a shot, but they need to be good. And what good is really heavily depends on the industry that you're in. Some industries you can slide away with being mediocre and that works. The NFT space, we have seen that a lot. A lot of projects have sold out. They are not here anymore because for the moment it worked. As, as spaces mature and quality demands become significantly higher, being mediocre or just good isn't enough. And being good once isn't enough. It's, it's about being good and it's about being constantly good. That's, I think that's the whole secret and it sounds so cliche and so simple but break that down to details and it becomes a challenge in itself and it's not just saying being good and then it becomes a real real tough challenge every day to innovate uh, innovate every day to transform your brand eventually when that becomes old and only those brands survive i think and they all started from somewhere and today is no different it just became harder because there's already more out there so the barrier to entry became higher I, I think you nailed it in talking about innovation. I think as um, creators and brands, we have to constantly innovate and we have to constantly evolve based on what's happening in the market and based on um, not just the market, but what's happening um, in the world. Like in, in this case, the uh, introduction of Web3 and, and understanding that. So I love that you're building houses and 
I'm hoping that maybe even a year from now, if we meet each other again, uh, your all your properties will be sold. What do you think? Uh, so the property sold in December. Uh, in five minutes, we uh, we sold out, which which gave us good good starting capital of around two million back then. Uh, we we still obviously make money we we consult brands these days again i cannot talk about those brands until they allow me to but we work with brands that one i've never thought we would work with when we started this second brands that give me uh insurmountable bragging rights to my family i told you yesterday right and we're excited to cherry pick those brands because they all want to work with properties because uh there is, there is, you know, floor talk between those brands and uh, brands that I dream of every day suddenly just approach us by email, ask if we could collaborate and work with them uh, in, in a way that we did it for the other brand that did it very successfully. And they, they ask around and they ask their brand friends and the CEOs ask each other or the CIOs ask each other and they're like, who did this for you, right? And word gets around and for us at Properties, we, we see all of it important we see the nft business as as an important way to showcase that we can do it and an important way to give give a voice to our community and the individuals that want to be part of it because a lot of them are smaller creators as we talked about earlier but we also need to need to work with web3 brands and the web2 brands to actually help onboard more people and more communities because only if there's people there's a market and only if there's a market there's room for collaboration and innovation and uh, I think markets are always there uh, some of them are still untapped I think the NFT space has been overtapped with uh, non-useful innovation let me call it that way to find uh, nice words but it has been uh, a place where a lot of uh, people abused the uh, the entry barriers where mediocre behavior was sufficient to make money and where money is there's always people that also want to scam and we saw that with the recent market downturn that uh, a lot of the ones that have not thought this through to a level where they know what value they provide other than opening up space for a community to potentially meet and to potentially engage and to potentially provide value to the project to form this uh, this reciprocal circle of, of value creation, the, the community rewarding the projects and the projects rewarding the community over and over in this, in this very positive visual cycle. And uh, yeah, the way we see that properties is we need individuals to, to test this out, but we need the brands to step in and say, hey, we are taking the leap and we're doing it in a way that all these individuals will have value from this. And, that's what we're currently seeking and I feel like we're a few years out from what, what you could call mass adoption. This event got a lot bigger compared to last year, but we're, we're nowhere near touching, touching what it will actually look like if brands come in and create that content constantly and when they invite over their audiences in a way that is easy for them, right? I think the, the hurdles to entering Web3 are still too high for, for a mass market adoption at this stage. I would agree with you and um, there's a lot of friction and uh, it is a bear market now um, but I'm really excited for you I want to congratulate you that you know even in this bear market you continue to flourish 
and um, the brands continue to reach out to you, which is so cool. And um, I would probably say that this time next year, I want to hear that these houses that you build, that you turn them into homes, because I think that's where the magic is for the NFT. That would make me personally happy. And uh, again, it's it's business is always business. Uh, I'm not telling you any news here, but uh, on a personal level, it's about fulfillment, right? And ethically and morally you need integrity to to do business on a level that those brands would work with you right it, it, word gets around that we're good to work with that we are considerate of their brands and not cash grabbing right if they say we want to test something out sure let's let's see what we can do at a lower budget so you don't assume risk and let's see what we can do in a way that it will never hurt your brand and if if brands are pushing out nfts for free there, no one stands to lose anything here. So the, the brands, sure, they have a expenditure that's probably ne uh, yeah, not not really significant to their bottom line, but they open up a testing ground for their community to to experience something new or experience the brand in a way that is transformative and and out of the ordinary for that brand. And again, I also hope next year we sit here. Uh, and that there are homes, uh, not in terms of houses, but the metaverse as a as a parallel and complementary home to to people that want to experience and interact with brands, but also to people that may not like real life social and may feel more comfortable in a in a new avatar that they can express themselves better with. And I, I think the metaverse opens open space to mass market individuals and to those very specific individuals that like digital socializing far more and we've seen that with COVID uh, a big market for digital socializing has opened and we see the metaverse as as never replacing the real world I dearly hope it won't ever uh, that's a scary thought in itself but we, we want to see the metaverse as a, as a new way for for brands and for individuals to come together, communicate and socialize in ways that may be uncomfortable or not possible physically in, in real life. That's, that's great. I'm, I'm going to end on that note because I think that's really beautiful. And um, I want to thank you for spending a little time with me here at NFT NYC and Culture Factor. Good one to talk to. So I really like that. <laughs>